At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone but not just anyone alma is there to help you find the right fit visit helloalma.com therapy 30 to schedule a free consultation today that's helloalma.com therapy 30 no one is, 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 is more locked from thursday to monday no one is more locked into the nfl than first and pod hosted by danny parkin and andrew philipponi Another off-season edition of First and Pod. Thanks for being with us, Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi. We'll hit the AFC West and NFC West in a bit. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. We're still doing this weekly throughout the off-season. The dust is settled mostly in free agency, but Rodgers is not officially a Jet. Lamar Jackson, not really linked to any team. Some smoke, but nothing firm. Are you surprised by uh, the slow movement of the quarterback market in either direction, Pony? I'm really not. The Aaron Rodgers thing, it looks like Green Bay is going to try to get at least a first. And if the Jets don't want to trade it in this year's draft, well, then that's something that's going to have to happen, I guess. Or I guess they could trade it now and just make it 2024 instead of 2023. But that seems to be the big holdup there. I think the last thing Green Bay wants is for another Favre situation, like the one in Milwaukee, where even though the guy is in the AFC, if things don't go great with Jordan Love in year one, they're thinking about you know what we got back for Aaron Rodgers and why we got to watch him thrive in another uniform. The Lamar Jackson thing, you know, it's interesting. It sounds to me like a lot of the people – in the Boston media are starting to say a lot of the things that we've said on the show for months about how everybody is saying no to Lamar Jackson. And is this a time now where Bill Belichick jumps in and thinks, okay, he's now undervalued. Um, Is there a way I can either negotiate with him or the Ravens to make either the acquisition cost or the contract cost lower and maybe it won't work but it you know that has been out there at least on the Boston side of things where they're the people that cover the Patriots and the people that do shows up there seem to want to at least discuss the possibility of him going to the Patriots yeah I mean that one like all of them make some sense in a vacuum of he makes the team better it makes sense he makes Indy better He makes Washington better. He makes New England better. And he certainly makes you a hell of a lot more interesting. It's what I've been talking about, though, for a while. The draft pick component and the contractual component make it a much tougher sell. And I'd be fascinated to see Belichick with him and what he could devise and what he could get out of him while he's still in his athletic prime for the next few years. It would be great sports theater. Um, but I'll be surprised that the guy who treats draft picks like gold gives up 
two of them for him. I'm looking forward to Lamar's interview that he has teased on whatever YouTube platform or whatever it is. Like, I'm looking forward to it. When is that? I you're, This is the first time hearing about it. Oh, yeah. He put out a teaser. He said he was going to be answering questions and setting the record straight. I don't well, know. I'm not on Instagram, so I must have missed all that. that yeah, that's I, I don't know when it's dropping or I don't know who's conducting the interview. Uh, maybe Spencer has any details that I'm missing. But, like, I the Rodgers-McAfee stuff was so compelling because even if it felt like, you know – this could use some cross-examination by like a trained interviewer or a quote unquote real journalist. It was still, it was like players tribune-esque. Like it was unfiltered, uninterrupted mostly though. AJ Hawk tried a little bit like for better and worse, we got Rogers aside. We saw his motivation and whatever. Like I would love Lamar Jackson to through his production company or through his brand or whatever he's doing here, to like, I'm not looking for Deshaun Watson's contract. Uh, I just, I t- got a $133 million offer. I deserve more. Like, it has to be $200 million. My days are done in Baltimore. I want to be a Raven for life. Like, anything he says will be interesting because it will be the first time that he doesn't communicate in like Morse code of weird, cryptic subtweeting on it and Twitter and Instagram. So like, I have no idea how it's going to go. He just says it will be dropped soon. But to me, that's the next part of it. Like we're going to, we know how Rogers feels. He feels like the Packers owe it to him to facilitate a trade because he's the best player in the history of the organization. And he doesn't want to retire. He wants to be a jet. The Packers don't want him. We know all of that. We don't know a lot about the Lamar stories. So we're all guessing. We're guessing about Deshaun Watson. We're guessing about if he wants to be a Raven. We're guessing about how offended he is. Like, I'm very much looking forward to, like, the human side of this, even if it is manicured and he's not sitting down with Tom Rinaldi or Jeremy Schaap. That would be best. But, like, I'll take it because I think we're going to actually learn something like we did with Rodgers. I actually think it's better that he's not sitting down with one of those guys because – I think it's important that the athlete feels comfortable. And a lot of times in these sanitized interviews that get put out by a network, uh, the person doesn't really want to do that. They don't maybe trust the interviewer, even though the interviewer might have a great reputation for getting the story right or making it as fair as possible. So that's actually, I think, one of the best things that's happened. It hasn't been great as far as, you know, traditional media is concerned like you or I maybe getting access to athletes the way that we did in the past but with all these athletes wanting to either have podcasts or their own media companies and stuff I think they have a better understanding now that if they're honest about things that that's good for their brand like so much of this is driven by clicks and eyeballs and things like that and I think they're figuring out if I just do something on my own That's very cliched. Like people don't want to watch that or see that. And if you're a great athlete, like Roethlisberger did this with me for years, is that the great athlete, I think few of them understand that they can pretty much say what they want and do what they want because it's the the only, there's only a few guys in sports that have that power. 
where they can pretty much dictate to an organization how things are going to go and not the other way around. And I think Lamar Jackson is finally getting that. Lamar Jackson said very little during his time in Baltimore, was not a guy that was very open about what was playing out with his contract or how he felt about the way he was used in their offense. And so now, to me, if he's saying, I'm going to come out and tell my side of the story, that's just like Rodgers did. That tells me that he wants a divorce from the team. I think if he was going to do it the Ravens way, he would go talk to them, not his followers on social media. Like if he's, if he really thinks he can get a deal done with the Ravens and they can find middle ground that pacifies each party, then he should go talk to them. Not, you know, I I, I think that's, I think that's a reasonable guess, but like, we really don't know. We, he, he has been so guarded on this, and there has been such little journalism around it, and he doesn't have an agent to, like, you know, leak it to Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport. By the way, side note, and this is maybe a, a little inside baseball on the journalism side, um, Roquan Smith didn't have an agent. He had that guy named St. Omni as his, like, liaison or advisor. He forces his way out of Chicago, goes to Baltimore, has a great year, signs a record-setting deal. Laramie Tunsil, same thing, gets a deal, and, and Ian Rappaport reports on the Roquan Smith stuff via St. Omni. Laramie Tunsil resets the tackle market. Short-term deal, universally applauded for how much money he gets. Stays with the Texans. One of the best players at one of the most premium positions in the league. As reported to Ian Rappaport by St. Omni. If you Google search St. Omni, you cannot find him. If you Google image search St. Omni, you cannot find him. St. Omni is also an anagram for, we did this on the air today, like, it is not a man. Like, like, I think St. Omni might be an alias. I think it might not be a real per like I think it's a person. I don't even know who the F this thing or person was until you just brought it up to me. I've not followed this saga whatsoever. It was a big deal in Chicago, but like dude, if you literally Google image search St. Omni, it is a picture of Roquan Smith in like the Bobby Valentine fake mustache. Like there are no records of this person existing on the internet. And <laughs> Cause we tried to get him on when Roquan Smith was like, yeah, I'm just doing this myself, but also my guy St. Omni is helping me. And Rappaport said that he like had like some NFL players association affiliation, but like, I don't think the person's name is St. Omni. I don't think this person exists, but he got a huge deal for Roquan Smith. He got a huge deal for Laramie Tunsil. And he's like, but he's not an accredited agent because the NFL had to come down on him with the Roquan Smith stuff because he like engaged teams in trade talks when the Bears hadn't given him permission. There, there is a story for like if Deadspin was still Deadspin, like there is a story for some journalist to reveal the identity of St. Omni. I don't believe that is his real name. I think Ian Rappaport is somehow in on it. And there's a story here involving Laramie Tunsil, Roquan Smith someone using an alias, Ian Rappaport, 
And it's a web of NFL media confusion. Ian Rappaport, yes, and thank you, Spencer. Yes, we talked about this thing. Ian Rappaport said, I have met him and have no further comment on whether or not it's an alias or not. So Ian Rappaport... It's it's a weird thing, man. Something weird is going on here. We're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do these team previews in a second. What they did in free agency or reviews, I should say. Yeah. But my my best way of addressing what you just said is this: I know that Adam Schefter and less so Ian Rappaport make conservatively five million dollars a year. I know that. That that's about, I think Schefter is on the high end of that, might even be closer to 10. And I think Rappaport's probably somewhere between like two and $4 million. Let me just tell you something though. I would not want their, I would not want that life whatsoever. You never turn it off. You're never on vacation. You're constantly worried that someone is going to beat you to a story. There's never a down period or a dead period in the NFL. So you always feel, even if it's a holiday or even if it's, you know, in the summer, that something is going to happen that you need to be on top of. You constantly have people above you on your ass if you don't get a story and someone else beats you to it. You have to to suck up to the agents. You have to suck up to the teams. You have to suck up to the players. Like I have, I have a lot of respect for those guys because I know just how demanding it is, but I am in not in any way envious of the job those people do. Not at all. Like, I, what I agree with you. I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty good friends with Jeff Passan. Being, there's a, like a fake human being that this, that Ian Rappaport is friends with, but can't talk about. Yeah. No, I do not. <laughs> Like the money's great and his family's set up and they get to go on nice skiing trips and everything else on his dime. And I bet their house is super big and everything else. And he goes to Mets games and sits in suites and MSG and all that. I've seen pictures, but no, no, I'm, I'm happy where I am. And Ian, you can continue to do the nonstop 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he was worried about you coming for his corner. And I've talked with Passon about this and it's, it's, it's a little different in baseball because it's not as quite as demanding of a beat as the NFL or the NBA, but obviously he still is competing with guys like Ken Rosenthal and, you know, all and all of that. But yeah, it's, it's a tough life, man. You are on your phone all the time and you have to work relationships all the time. And there is, there is no off button. I, I'm not cut out for it either. Um, But yeah, there's a story there with say nominee. I find the AFC West much more interesting. Okay. What's going to be their big move here? They got they talked about last year was a rebuilding year that they won a Super Bowl in a year where they reset things financially and got their cap situation right and all that stuff. So so what are they going to do with it, Danny? Well, I the, I think the big move was Jawan Taylor. Okay. So they, they replaced Orlando Brown with a tackle that probably is higher upside. And it's just, it's, 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 to me, it's, it's so interesting because he's protecting the most valuable asset in football. Right. And, and he's a right tackle and he's probably better athlete. They're, they're by they're you know, they're, they're basically betting on the come. Like, okay. So let me ask you a question though. If Travis Kelsey somehow hits a wall this year and looks his age for the first time and 
we see for the for the first time in his career some diminished skill. Who are the wide receivers on that roster who pick up the slack right now? Well, I think that there's an addition coming. Um, Darius Tony right now is they're just going to expect he bounces back from his hamstring problems and he's got a full offseason training camp, preseason, etc. No, I, I I think I think that there's an addition, and I don't know if it'll be as high profile as DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Should it be OBJ? I think that he makes anybody better. Based on all accounts of the workout, that that would be great. But I also could see where rookie receivers are coming into the league every single year and producing now, and there are more good receivers than ever before because more college teams are throwing and running pro-style offenses, so the transition is easier. But in this particular year, it's seen as like a slightly down year for receivers yep. at, the t- at the top of the draft. I could see them having the 31st pick in the draft and saying, normally that would be a spot where we have to take the sixth wide receiver. But this year we could get the third receiver and like Jordan Addison is a chief, you know, like, or Jackson Smith and Jigba or like someone who falls because people don't like the wide receiver class this year. Well, Smith and Jigba will not be there at 31. I I, I understand It, it probably will not be him. But uh, I but I do think it is in play. Like, I think that they will, and they consistently have, whether it was Clyde Edwards-Alaire or whatever, like, they keep trying with these low first-round picks to upgrade around Mahomes. And I know, I think conventional wisdom is take another tackle uh, for Juwan Taylor insurance if they have to put him at right tackle and just, like, continue to bolster the offensive line with younger talent. But to me skill position guys from a homes to throw to because I mean Kelsey's 32 33 it's gonna fall off at some point he had 25 more catches than the next highest tight end this year like well, he's gonna come back to the pass at some point Sky Moore will be in there for year two Hardman's still a free agent I guess they could bring him back if they wanted Tony's there um I what what is the hold up on OBJ if I'm the Chiefs I would just say to him right now Here's what Jacoby Myers got. Here's what um, Juju got. We'll give you the same money. You said you won't play for four, but you said you won't play for, you said the 20 thing was an exaggeration. So how about 11? That's what the other guys have gotten. And if you want to do a short-term deal, like it's only one year or something like that, fine. And then go back into free agency and try to get paid again. But that's what I would do. And I haven't heard any reports of them making an offer like that. Go do that. that yeah. To me, that to me would be fair for everybody involved. You're not paying them peanuts, but you're also in the contract. Everyone's admitting that we don't know what you're going to look like coming off of a knee injury in your Would you life. rather do that than trading draft capital for Mike Evans or DeAndre Hopkins? Um. Those guys what's are going to be more expensive. What's the draft capital? You know, second round pick. I think I would actually. I think I'd rather go with OBJ, and I like. And I'm not like opposed to Evans at all. I like that idea for them. I like that a lot if they were to do that. But I think I think if they 
to me, whether it's a day two pick or just giving OBJ the money, I love all three of those moves for Kansas City. Yeah, I I just think that they're they're not done at skill position. Whether it's a first round pick in the draft, a trade of a day two pick for a proven guy who's expensive and maybe a little injury risk because they're on the wrong side of 30 or just money for OBJ, they're going to add a name uh, at receiver. Chargers, Austin Eckler says he's underpaid, is underpaid by his production. How big of a loss would it be if and when they trade him? I think I think it would not be that big of a loss at all. Um, I have that I have that Jaguars game in my head. Like he's just not a running back that I look at and think, okay, you're trying to protect a lead, which is not to say that you go ultra conservative and just run the ball on first and second down and then throw it on third and long and punt, but. I don't know. He's not, to me, the type of running back that if I'm protecting a seven-point lead or ten-point lead in the second half of the game, I'm comfortable giving it to him multiple times. He did not have a lot of games this year where he touched the ball more than 15 times. He was a touchdown machine, and we know he can catch the ball out of the backfield, but I don't know, man. Like He thinks he's underpaid. Is somebody going to give him $10 million, $11 million a year? I don't see it. And then have to give up something on top of that? I I agree with you. Like, he, I think this is one of those cases where, like, both people are right. He is underpaid. His touchdown production numbers have been incredible. And he is a very good pass-catching running back. And it's a passing league. And... He does that skill at an elite level and he gets the ball across the goal line, which is how you score points. So for $6 million, he is underpaid. He's right. But if you're the Chargers, he isn't electric and game-changing. They probably think they can upgrade from him. I think that they could be a dark horse. Where, Where do they pick? What's their pick? What number is it? So they would be, I think, at like maybe 20 or 21. So they strike me as a dark horse team for Bijan Robinson. Oh, I hate that for them. Why? Keenan Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Can't stand it. Okay, but hold on a second. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, 30 and 32 years old. They have the 21st overall pick. You get some sort of draft pick for Austin Eckler. Obviously not a very high pick, but you you get – like I know using a first-round pick on a running back isn't great, but like they need a difference maker. I'd and- go I'd, – I'd sign Fournette for about 2 or $3 million, and then I'd go draft a kid from our, from our alma mater in the third round or fourth round, and I'd be just as good. I think you'd be just as good. I think if you put Sean, I think if you put Sean Tucker with Fournette or a running back, I look at the running backs that are listed. Mel Kuyper put out his list like the top ten running backs in the draft. I look at the guys two through ten below Robinson, and I'm like, I think six or seven of these guys could step in and be starting NFL running backs next year. 
So what? Why am I if I'm the Chargers? I'm not. I'm not giving Austin Eckler more money, and I'm also not using a first round pick on something like that. I, if I'm them, I'm going well, to continue. Some team, some team is going to. Well, that's dumb. Even with I know the thing now with safeties playing deep, everybody thinks that it's easier to run the ball. Okay, good. That means other guys can run it well. Well, so you think there's no team that it's a good idea to use a first round pick on Bijan no. Robinson? I do not like that at all for any See, team. I think I think that low first round picks for good teams, if you think you are getting a difference maker, like Saquon Barkley at two was dumb, but I thought the logic behind the Patriots where they drafted Sony Michelle or the Chiefs drafted Clyde Edwards Alaire. Now it didn't work out with either. Right. <laughs> I mean No, 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 no. I understand that. But like you're telling me that if the Eagles use the 30th pick in the draft on Bijan Robinson and uh, and upgraded from Miles Sanders and had a hey, fifth-year option on running back, you wouldn't think that's a good pick for the Eagles? I hate it. I'd rather have I'd rather have Kalijah Kansi or Michael Mayer or somebody like that at that pick. I'd See, rather have- I, no, I I think there's I, I think that there is a value in a cheap first-round contract where you also have the fifth-year option because running back's a young man's game where you can have the control over the running back for the extra year of their athletic prime if they are special. The reason why the Saquon pick was dumb is because you could get premium talent up there at premium positions. You're rolling dice with the 20th pick or the 30th pick in the draft. Robinson's going to be good. He's probably going to be great. For how long? The length of a rookie contract. I'm not sure about that. I mean, was Zeke Elliott good for the entire extent of his rookie contract? He was great his first couple of years. He was good maybe the last two or three, but no better than maybe 15 or 20 running backs. But again, backs. He, was like the, he was the fourth pick. I would never draft a running back in the top 10. But I think I think there comes a point in time where the deal gets cheaper and cheaper and the fifth-year option is still the same. I don't know. I look at Seattle again. They had Rashad Penny, late first-round pick. They draft the guy in the second round. He's better than him, Kenneth Walker. I mean, you could just keep going with stuff like this. Look at the running backs, the starting running backs on Super Bowl winning teams or the guys that get their the most Pacheco again. Pacheco runs the ball harder than I've ever seen Edwards Alaire do it. I mean, I just don't believe in it. I listen, most of the time I agree with you. For special talent who could fall, and on a team like that, man, they they need a weapon. They need another guy to help out Herbert and to get younger at skill okay. position especially if they're losing Eckler. So I think they're a dark dark horse team for it. Broncos, we did some stuff on them on the free agency show. I wanted to just start it like this. Is there any way they're not better? They have to be better, right? With free agent additions, with Sean Payton working with Russell Wilson, or do you think it is truly in play? Because Russ looked a little better as the season ended. Is it truly in play that they are dumpster fire for the next three years and Russ yes. is cooked? It's it's I think it's absolutely possible that they're worse this year because worse this year. Well, I just is their defense gonna be as good as it was last year? I mean their offense, their offense can't be worse. Okay, but their defense can be a hell of a lot worse. Yes. I mean, Sean Payton's Sean Payton's tenure in, in New Orleans, you've got the Super Bowl win, 
And then you've got the close calls late in his career there, like the Rams NFC Championship game where they got jobbed in the Minnesota game that they lost at the end with the Kyle Rudolph touchdown. But in between that, you have years of like seven and nine, seven and nine, seven and nine, where they have the most explosive offense in all of football in a defense that's at the absolute bottom of the league. So I don't expect that we're going to have polar op, like polar extremes like that. But Sean Payton is a really good offensive coach. If he gets a little bit more out of Russell Wilson, but the defense trends the other way in a ultra competitive division in a really good conference with other quarterbacks that can beat you in shootouts. I could see them going six and 11. It's a great conference and it's a great division. Sean Payton's a pretty damn good offensive coach. I don't expect their defense, which was great last year to completely fall off the cliff. I know they lost Raymond Jones. I know they lost the defensive coordinator, but they replaced Jones with Allen uh, and the interior of the defensive line, and they signed McGlinchey to play tackle. They signed Samaj P. Ryan. They have not been linked. I know people have called based on reports, but they don't seem to be doing a sell-off. Like, it doesn't seem like they're going to trade Jerry Judy. Like It feels like they are going to try to get the dead cat bounce and say everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, and we got the biggest offensive upgrade you could possibly get at coach to salvage this thing, that even if the defense is 10% worse, the offense should be 30 or 40% better. And that makes up for it. I'm not saying they're going to win the division or get anywhere near the hype this year that they got last year. I'll just ask you a very easy question. Would you predict them to make the playoffs next year? I would not. Okay. I would not. But so that means we think they're probably going to go eight and nine or worse. Which, okay. if they go eight and nine, technically they're better, but it's still, given what you gave up for both the head coach and the quarterback, that's still a horrible year. Yes, I agree. It will feel a million percent better if your quarter of a billion dollar quarterback investment looks like he's got years of good football left in him, though. Like, there's a difference. There's eight and nine playing a bunch of 17, 13 games. And there's eight and nine with Russ looking like he's got five years left. There's a huge difference there in terms of how people will feel about it. If Russ looks cooked and they're talking about backup quarterback. I don't think he will. I don't think that he'll give way to Stidham. I don't think he'll have that kind of year. I just don't think the overall team will be good enough for them to make the playoffs. But I do think what what you're describing where there's encouragement about the way the quarterback played. I think that's, I think that's probably going to happen, but not enough for me to think that they're a real threat or contender in the AFC. Last thing with the Raiders. (laughs) So they trade away Darren Waller. Fine. They lose Derek Carr. They bring in Jimmy Garoppolo to pair with Josh McDaniels to try like some like, What's old is new again, Patriots of the West. Is there any chance this works? I say no. No, me neither. I think they've got a chance to be the worst team in the conference. Yeah. I think that's a possibility. I think McDaniels' reputation, uh, like, okay, he's the next one of these guys 
who sucked in his first in as a head coach, but give him a second chance and he has the, the he has the potential to be great. No, not at all. Uh, I think he's on an ego trip there. I think that the Raiders and the GM, because they're both New England guys, I think they're rigid and think that this is the way that things worked up there in Foxborough. So that's the way we're going to do things here. Uh, stupid, very dumb. Uh, I would not bank on Garoppolo making it through a full season. He almost never does. And I think that they've they've settled for a veteran quarterback who has no upside whatsoever. Uh, I would, if I were the, uh, if I were the Raiders, you know, I, I, am I even going to, you know, they were rumored, I guess, to try to trade up to number one. Like that was one of the things that came out after the, after the bears Panthers trade. Yeah. They were one of the teams that they talked to. So who's the quarterback that they want to move up for? And is there still a chance that things could go their way and they could still pull the trigger on something like that? If they do, then I think it's really strange. I think it'll be weird because if it's one of these develop, developmental guys like Levis or Richardson and they go with Garoppolo the entire year and it gets ugly there again and they miss the playoffs and they're blowing games like they did last year, um, you fire McDaniels and then bring in a new coach for one of those rookies in, in their second year. I mean, I just feel like it's going to get very messy with the Raiders at some point this offseason still, where they make a move maybe for a young quarterback and then Garoppolo's looking over his shoulder and the coach should be on the hot seat if the, if the owner has the money to fire him. So I think the Raiders actually have one of the worst situations in the entire NFL right now, Danny. It was just so transparent of like when it was uh, Mike Mayock, it was like he only drafted players from Alabama and Clemson and just like only watched <laughs> the big college football games. Or Gruden had the authority on the roster and did that. Right. Sure. Too. But it was super dysfunctional and it was super basic and obvious and like everyone could see what was happening. They signed Philip Dorsett and Jacoby Myers. Like, What's missing? Oh, I don't know. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just no way it works. So, like, in that division, in that conference, with that coach, with that owner, he, he should have been fired, but they don't have the money to fire him. It's a good thing that that's, like, that's a national fan base and it's not a local fan base. And I say that because you feel, I think, the pressure and the heat differently when your fans are spread out like that, like the people in Vegas, I don't know if the Vegas market is a really intense Raiders market. You know, there's a lot of people that are transplanted there and have lived in other places. I know that they care about their hockey team just because they feel like it's their team. And a lot of people just embrace that because they were the first team there. But I say this because if like, Let's say, let's say the inverse had happened and Myers had played for the Raiders last year and he made that boneheaded play against the Patriots. And then the Patriots signed that player in free agency. Boston would be like, what the fuck are you doing? We watched this guy make the worst play we've ever seen against us. And now you're trying to sell him to us 
as our big free agent move. Like that guy would be behind the eight ball so bad from the second he showed up there. No question. But you don't, I guess you don't worry about that in Vegas. And 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 their owners talked about it. Mark Davis has talked about it. They they're like the Chargers. They play just about every game on the road because every team's fan base says, oh shit, it's a weekend in Vegas. Let's when the schedule comes out, let's book our flights and travel and go to and like that's a problem for them, Danny. That yeah. everybody saw coming. I mean, I, I you'd have to be an idiot to not think that that was going to happen once they put an NFL team there. So Devontae Adams should demand a trade. It, he wanted to go play with his buddy Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers, and now he's stuck with Josh McDaniels and Jimmy no, Garoppolo. I think he should be stuck there as punishment for wanting to play with Derek Carr that bad. It was a questionable decision at the time. We all crushed him for it. Do you want to do the Niners here? Because I have a lot to say about the Niners. Okay, let's do the Niners because on some level, they're the only interesting team in this division. So, And two things have happened with the Niners since I think the last time we talked. So the first one is, let's actually do with what really happened. And that's, so where do you think Darnold factors in for them? Is Darnold going to be the next Kyle Shanahan I can put anybody in this offense. It's the system. He can make every single throw. I don't even need Trey Lance to get healthy. I don't really care about Brock Purdy's elbow anymore. I can take this guy and make him into a 40 touchdown, 10 interception, dude. Do you buy that, first of all? No. You do not? I do not. I I think that he thinks it. I do not think that he... Manahan thinks that. Yes. I think... I Well... I think he thinks the I can turn him into a great quarterback part. I do not think that he thinks this is plan A over Trey Lance. Like like plan B over Brock Purdy? Yeah. Yes. And he has deserved arrogance, man. Like, yes. Their skill position guys are great. Their line is great. His running game is great. And his success with non-elite talents at the position is great. But I've said this for years. Like, all of that was true. And he still gave up a boatload of draft capital to move up from 13 to 3, not knowing which quarterback he was going to get. Who will throw the most touchdown passes in San Francisco this year among those three quarterbacks? So I will say Trey Lance. Because, because I don't think he was wrong. I, I I think that he saw in Trey Lance something that he could mold into his version of Pat Mahomes. And I'm obviously not saying he will be Pat Mahomes. That would be ridiculous. But the guy who can make every throw and is a special athlete and is impossible to tackle, who you put him in, you build an offense for him, and he'll be special. So I think he's going to see that through because he just, he gave up too much to acquire him. He gave up way too much to go get him to not see that experiment through. And the guy played in two two games. I don't know. It honestly feels a little bit, and I know that it almost feels a little bit like Liner and Warner in Arizona. And I know that Darnold doesn't have two Super Bowl appearances and an MVP on his ledger. That's like a big difference. It is. <laughs> but he was the number two pick in the draft or number three pick in the draft after Mayfield and Barkley. And I, 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 I would not have cared where Sam Darnold signed if it were with probably 29 or 30 other teams. 
but there's an opening there for him to start. If Lance looks bad in, in the preseason like he did last year, and Purdy's not healthy. So I am intrigued by that. And I also needed to bring up to you, I told you, I told you that Roethlisberger wanted to play for the 49ers last year, and he said as much today. I needed to bring that up to you. Oh, good for you. He said that today? Yes. All right. Big. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a win for that you. Converse, he said that a conversation happened, but he prayed on it. He prayed. Good for him. And then the prayer helped direct him to staying uh, retired. So Man, we could have. God has time to make free agent decisions. Right? That's interesting. We could have we could have watched Roethlisberger against the Eagles in the NFC Championship game last year. So I googled uh, Sam Darnold forty yard dash time. Yeah. Four eight five. Something tells me that's not Kyle Shanahan's dream. Garoppolo couldn't move. And when I he understand did, that. He wasn't his dream either. Yeah. He traded. Well, Matt, Ryan, Matt Ryan couldn't move, and he won an MVP with him when he was the offensive coordinator there. No, correct. But these were the guys that he had. And I understand that they gave Garoppolo money. But actions, man. He traded from 13-3 to three to draft an FCS kid who's a super freak athlete. Yep. Something tells me he's interested in deploying the athlete as the quarterback. So I think he's going to see it through. Um, Seattle. They paid my, my guy, Gino. He deserved it. But they didn't lock into him truly long term. Like he got the exact contract that we talked about. We, we nailed that. Basically to the T, basically from like week eight on how that yeah. was going to go. Um just to pat ourselves on the back briefly. But it doesn't remove them from drafting a quarterback at five. They absolutely could take a quarterback. And I feel like people are largely not talking about it because it would be the fourth quarterback in the draft, presumably, with Carolina and Houston obviously going QB, QB, and Indy presumably at four doing it. But I'm curious, especially if it's Anthony Richardson, is that not the perfect scenario for him to go to? Uh, I think I think it probably is as far as there's no competition. Gino doesn't have to worry that year about getting benched or having somebody replace him as the quarterback. And he can be the Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes like in Kansas City. But I just, we've learned that Geno Smith, you know, took all those slights so personally and it motivated him with the Seahawks this past season. This would be another slight. Exactly. This would be exactly that. And it would be interesting because Seattle has tried to do this whole thing where even though they had a Drew Locke, Geno Smith competition, they have tried to spin it as we believed in Geno Smith all along. Like that's how after that trade went down and he started playing well, they tried all year to pat themselves on the back for it. Well, if you draft trap Anthony Richardson, you're admitting there that you don't know how long this is going to last, which I agree with you would be the prudent thing to do. My guess is, my guess is, 
that they are going to be the team in the draft that talks themselves into Jalen Carter. That's my even after signing Draymond Jones. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. I could see that happening. And yeah, I think I think Tyree Wilson makes sense for them. Like pair him, you know, instead of going with another interior guy, getting the freak of nature athlete as the edge rusher. And it's more of like a complimentary thing. Obviously, you can have multiple. It's a defensive line rotation. Jones could be sure. the mentor. I just, for like Pete Car- I just feel like this is like right in the Pete Carroll wheelhouse. Give me this kid. Let's get him up here. I'm a player's coach. I'll mold him. I'll get him right. I'll make sure his head's in the right place. This is why you pay me $13 million a year to take on guys like this. I think so. Jalen Carter. I think Jalen Carter is going to the Lions at six. I, I think Dan, I think Dan Campbell, similar mindset, has Aiden Hutchinson already, um, has Kaminsky as an edge that he likes. Needs if they do that, if they do that move, like you're already seeing the Lions, someone's got to fade the Lions. Someone's got to look at them and say this is just happening way too fast, and they're not going to be able to handle it. But dude, they so they gave up the third most passing yards of any team in the league. They sign Sutton, Mosley, and Gardner Johnson. So they signed three free agents in yep. the secondary because everyone had them mocked to take uh, the kid from Oregon, Gonzalez or Witherspoon, yep. the other corner. Everyone had that mocked, and they go corner, corner, safety, Nickelback in the in free agency. And they've got the sixth pick and the 18th pick. And they retained their offensive coordinator. And they've got a great offensive line. they got two good receivers. Like, I know they lost uh, Williams, the, the running back. But still have got like, – they are really in the position to say, we have a pretty complete roster. We can take best player available at both spots in the draft. I, I think they're taking Jalen Carter at six. And I think that they are going to – it's just going to build and add to the hype. And that's the type of thing that they did all those years when they had Matt Millen running the show where they would just keep drafting wide receivers because they felt like they were the best available players out there. So I don't know. I still think that their fans are excited but just feel like the next shoe is going to drop at any point. And I think taking Jalen Carter would only add to that. So be careful, Lions. All right, that's a diversion here. Um, Do you consider the Rams – a good team or a bad team? Good. See, I felt the same way, but last year everything went wrong. Exactly. And they had so many injuries, and everyone was like, Oh, I'm gonna retire. I'm gonna my coach is gonna quit. My star defense player is gonna quit. Quarterback gets hurt. Uh cup gets hurt. All of those things should be back healthier motivated, no Super Bowl hangover, pissed off, all of it. Trade Jalen Ramsey for a third-round pick. Okay, whatever. I think he's more name and style than than substance at this point in his career. I don't think it signals a full-on teardown. They, they're still an old team, and they still don't have a lot of draft capital. But, man, a healthy Matt Stafford with a healthy Cooper Cup, he could, he could be the second-best quarterback in the conference. Yep. So I think they are a buy-low team. I well, wait a minute. When you say second best, do you mean to Hertz? Yes. I don't think it's out of the question that he's better than him. And I love what Hertz did in the Super Bowl 
you know, he won me over as a quarterback with the way he played in the playoffs, even when he was less than 100%, and what he was able to do when the Eagles' defense wasn't getting stops in that game against Kansas City. But I don't think it's out of the question that Stafford, they they had more offensive line starting lineups than anybody in the league. I don't think they started the same line in back-to-back games until the very end of the year. So if you trust them to make improvements there through the draft, which you make a good point, like they don't have, they traded picks, F the picks or whatever the guy said. Um, There's better health and better luck. In Stafford's, I'm guessing his elbow, unless it's something degenerative that is going to afflict him for the rest of his career, I would assume he comes into this season healthier. Like I, I, I ignored it just because I felt like their talent was just too much and that they would find a way to overcome it. And I just had faith in McVay as a head coach that they were going to be a good team last year. But looking back on it, like all the signs were there for them to not be as bad as they were, but for them to be a disappointing team. And so I think right now they're under the radar. I'm with you. I would, I would pick them to win 10 or 11 games this upcoming season. Yeah. And get the 49ers a run for their money. Yeah, they're they're a definite by low team. Is the easiest pick in the draft to mock Will Anderson to the Cardinals? You see that every day, and no one seems to even screw around and like try to get creative and put somebody else in that slot. Like he should be looking at real estate in Glendale right now. The only thing that I think is potentially not right about it is if someone wants to jump Indy for the third quarterback. Vegas, Seattle. Yeah, you're right. No, I no, that makes sense what you're saying there about that. that I agree with that. That that's to me the only way it doesn't happen because I mean Jalen Carter, you're you're not taking Jalen Carter over Will Anderson at this point. It's obviously a position of need. It's obviously a premium position. I know there's like some question about if he's truly special, but like, like, is he merely going to be good or is he going to be really special? Like, cause like the measurables didn't like completely jump off the page, but I mean, back-to-back SEC defensive player of the year, back-to-back double digit sack seasons with a 17 and a half sack season, back-to-back first team, all pro or all American and he weighed in at 254 pounds. Guy's a beast. Like, I, he feels like... And the they hired star. a defensive coach. Yeah, like, feels like the most obvious, safest pick. You know, maybe he's not Miles Garrett as a freak of nature athlete. You know, not as much buzz as Clowney. But, like, more productive in college than both those guys. The Cardinals feel like last year's Texans where they are just the most, they are the oddball team assembled of like the leftovers and the crap. And like, they're so irrelevant. I'm looking at their coaching staff, Jonathan Gannon, their offensive coordinator is a guy named Drew Petzing and their defensive coordinator is a guy named Nick Rallis. Nobody knows who these people are. They're not going to have Kyler Murray. They're probably going to trade DeAndre Hopkins. They are going to start the year 
like Chris Myers from Fox is going to call their first game no matter what. Unless, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. They are bottom of the barrel, like 405 Eastern <laughs> NFC team that like, unless you have Sunday ticket red zone or money on them, you're not watching the Arizona Cardinals all year. Right. They'll be like the week four Thursday night game against Tennessee. Yeah. Get it out of the way. Um, the coach, Gannon, also clearly, sucks. very clearly, well, not only sucks, but he clearly did the thing that like you do when you're trying to get your first job ever, where you're like, yeah, it's my passion to flip burgers. He's like, absolutely. Kyler Murray is special. He like, like he, like they took so long to hire a coach and then he gets the job and he's like, well, I mean, the reason I want to be here and the reason this is all going to work is because I absolutely believe that we have an elite talent at quarterback. I'm like, oh, do you, do you believe that? Or was this just, you would say anything to get one of those 32 jobs and I'm not going to knock the hustle, but you got kind of exposed in the Super Bowl, your defense did, and you lost four dudes to free agency. So there's probably a little regression coming. So congratulations on your new contract and striking while the iron's hot and the lies that you told that Kyler Murray is special. Yeah, I don't know how a guy like that gets a job over Brian Flores. Like that's one of those situations where I look at it and I just scratch my head. You had a coach whose owner was trying to get him to tank who still found a way to win games. His starting quarterback was injured all the time. They were 1-7, and seven and they battled all the way back to 7-7 seven and seven and almost made the playoffs the whole time. They were trying to get him to bring Deshaun Watson in or, or Tom Brady. And he's a defensive coach, just like this guy, with a better resume. In the Super Bowl, he held the Rams to three points. Three. Something tells me it might have to do with the lawsuit. Yes, that the old Cardinals coach Steve Wilkes got in on. Yeah. Right? Something, something tells me those things might be related. All right, we've gone way long. We'll talk next week. We will not be doing divisional breakdowns because we have now done all of the divisions, but we'll be following the biggest stories. And by then, we'll be basically a month out. We'll be a month out. From we'll the be draft. doing a lot of draft stuff next time you hear from us. Yeah. And obviously, following the news with any of these quarterback stories. That'll happen. Thank you to Spencer Ray, our producer. Please tell a friend, first and pot. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 